The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at the Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really want to get that bass going in your voice? Give me some of that. Some bass? Yeah, give me the good stuff. You want, like, a deep voice? Uh, yeah, I want you to switch. Like, you want me to, like, talk like this? Oh, my God, that's beautiful. So can you do the whole podcast like this, and I'll just do it like this? Oh, okay, yeah, sure. Hi, everybody. How are you doing today? Hey, everyone. We're so glad you joined us for Ridiculous Romance. That's my... (laughs) Randy Savage now. (laughs) Snap into a Slim Jim. Enjoy some ridiculous romance. Oh my God. When did Randy Savage get here? When I mean, he I mean, leave? when did Randy Savage get here? Thank you. <laughs> no, don't go away. We're, we're not going to do the whole episode like that. Yeah, no, I can't, even if I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone. I'm Diana. And I'm Eli. Welcome back to the show. Yeah. Another exciting episode today. Mm-hmm. We're here today to talk about Nikola Tesla and his brief romance with a pigeon. <laughs> Tesla is a very complicated guy. He's got a huge story. He invented a billion things. He is brilliant and mysterious and weird. And you could probably do episodes on him for another hundred years if you wanted to. Yeah. But obviously, we don't want to do that. <laughs> that is not what this podcast is about. Instead, we're just going to talk about the man and his love life, or lack thereof, more accurately. That's true. And there's certainly a lot to say, so let's zap to it. 
Hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show, Ridiculous Romance. A production of iHeartRadio. So Nikola Tesla is everyone's favorite Serbian-American inventor. Uh, He's an electrical engineer and a middle part enthusiast, if you've seen his haircut. Very on trend. His whole life just split right down the middle, straight line. So take that, millennials. Even my hair. (laughs) He was ahead of his time. (laughs) And he also changed the way that we think about electricity or thought about it at the time and probably still think about it today. And then he cloned Hugh Jackman for the purposes of the greatest magic trick of all time. Eli loves the prestige. So. I, who doesn't love the prestige? <laughs> Honestly, I'll tell you right now, I'll say it. It might be Nolan's best movie. Oh, wow. I know. I'm brave enough to say it might be. You're brave enough. <laughs> <laughs> Tesla said that he wanted to illuminate the whole Earth. He said there's enough electricity to become a second sun. Light would appear around the equator as a ring around Saturn. He really was dedicated to bringing light and electricity and power to the whole world and improving everyone's life with it. But love eluded Tesla throughout his whole life, basically. He never really settled down with a partner. Right. Um, He was tall and handsome, Mm -hmm. and he was very smart, obviously brilliant mind. Um, He was also spiritual. He was shy, well-educated guy. He was well-dressed, even though his clothes were cheap. (laughs) Style, more important than fashion. Take note. I don't know. You look at the pictures back then, and inexpensive clothing just looked pretty damn nice. (laughs) I know, right? I think people just knew fabrics better than we do now. You know what I mean? Because they'd be like, um linen like a, right. you know <laughs> a rich man wears wool or whatever whatever yeah. <laughs> but look everything about tesla is shrouded in mystery even to this day once he said he was constantly spending time with women and he had to stop seeing them at all because it, he couldn't concentrate it was keeping him from his work but then in another interview he said he never touched a woman some people say his voice was high-pitched and shrill but other people specifically describe it as being very low and soft and intimidating Some people said he had a heavy accent. Other people said he didn't have an accent at all. There aren't any known recordings of his voice, although they are believed to exist. Mm -hmm. So if anybody ever finds one, let us know. Mm -hmm. If you're sitting on a a recording of Tesla's voice out there, email romance at iHeartMedia.com. Yeah, so come to us first. first. (laughs) For some reason, instead of like a museum or something. No, I want it first. Uh, even his eyes, people said they were gray or black, and sometimes they said they were blue or green. Everything about this guy is just an enigma wrapped, wrapped in an, an enigma. enigma. So let's talk about the man himself. Let's just, before we get into his romance or whatever you want to call his love life, let's just learn a little bit about him so we can have some context about where he came from and what he was all about. Mm-hmm. Right? He was born in 1856 on July 10th. Allegedly at the stroke of midnight, just as a lightning bolt struck during a summer storm. Wow. Yeah. That's quite a coincidence. Hey, you know, prove me wrong is what I would say. I'm going to start telling people I was born under a triple rainbow as lightning (laughs) was shooting out of the ground. And then like a two-headed horse walked by. Uh Uh-huh. And said, where's a good baby? I've never seen such a good baby. (laughs) (laughs) so good. But Tesla was born, at least as far as we know, under the stroke of a lightning bolt. And the midwife said, he'll be a child of the storm. And his mother said, no, of light. (gasps) They were both right in a way. Mm. 
He was the fourth of five children. He had three sisters, but his older brother died in a horse riding accident when Nicola was only five. So it was mostly just him and his sisters. His father's a priest. Right. Um, and his mother was especially gifted at making home craft tools and mechanical appliances. She could also memorize epic poems in Serbian. So Tesla credited her with his eidetic memory, right. which is kind of like a photographic memory. This guy was a genius, a mathematician. I mean, he could do integral calculus in his head. I, I can't even add two numbers in my head. <laughs> <laughs> That's just like, wow. Look, we've all got different talents. I know. I'm gifted in other ways. <laughs> He had this physics professor who demonstrated electricity in class, and Tesla's, you know, little brain just lit up. Uh, big brain, I guess. Little brain. <laughs> Tesla's teeny little brain got all a flutter. His young uh, brain, I guess. No, he was obsessed with electricity all of a sudden. He was like, that's the shit for me. I'm into it. And he really wanted to go and be, you know, an electrical engineer. But his father wanted him to enter the priesthood like him. So at some point, Tesla got really sick with cholera when he was 17. He was really sick for like nine months he was in bed. And mm. there was a few times where they thought he was going to die. And his father said, look, he said, look, Nicola, if you just pull through this and come out alive for me on the other side, I send you to best engineering school that is. And he goes, uh, 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 you promise? <laughs> Uh, yes, I, I think so. I feel great now. Let's do it. Damn it. <laughs> Got me again, cholera. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes to the best engineering school. Um, he got a military scholarship to Austrian Polytech. And the first year, he never missed a lecture. He passed nine exams, which was double the necessary amount. So he's a real overachiever. Yeah. He's, he's ruining the curve for everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's other kids in class, like, like barely Tesla. passing. Like, fucking Tesla. Fucking Tesla. Fucking Tesla is a refrain that probably is echoed <laughs> throughout the of, next 60 years or so. <laughs> a lot of people said that. <laughs> But he was kind of an, a workaholic. He worked way too hard. He would get up at 3 a.m. and work until 11 p.m. So his professors uh, wrote letters to his father being like, listen, if this kid isn't pulled out of school, he is going to kill himself from working. Like, yeah. He's just going to die from overworking. Yeah. And turns out they were right because he worked so hard that he actually started slipping. His grades started slipping. He started missing exams. I was kind of like, you know what? This is a Hermione Granger with the Time Turner situation <laughs> where she was like, I can take three extra classes. No, you can't, Hermione. <laughs> there are only 24 hours in a day. <laughs> so he ended up losing his scholarship. Um, he had to turn to gambling to pay for school. Mm -hmm. But weirdly, gambling, not super solid way of making money, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Not very predictable. <laughs> yeah, not reliable. Um, he ended up losing a lot of money, and he had to drop out of school. Unless, I will say this about gambling, and we've talked about this before. If you've got, let's say we have, let's say somebody just gives us $50,000, right? All we have to do is go in and put that full 50000 on red. And then we double our earnings. This is what I don't, people don't seem to understand about gambling. Um, what if it lands on black? No, no, no. You don't do that. You put it on red. <laughs> but and then, then it lands on black. No, no, no. You're, you're, <laughs> with that attitude, we're never going to win. Y'all are basically on a trip with us to Vegas right now because this is the entire conversation if we ever go to Vegas. You know, we Is him being like, we'll pay for the whole trip with one, you... one lucky roll. And I'm like... It's not I'd rather bird in hand for a pigeon in hand is worth two in bush to me. 
look, it's not about getting lucky. It's about putting it on the right color. Oh, my God. But this is... The, the, I can't. I can't with you. We're just not going to gamble, okay? All right. Moving on. <laughs> you can have 10 of our $50,000 to gamble with and wow. no more. Oh, thank you. That's You should not give me that much money to gamble with. <laughs> I said $10. Oh, I thought you said 10000 Oh, no, no, no. I $10. see. $10. Well, may... that's not nearly enough. I'm going to come back with 20 and be like, what do I do now? Whatever you want. It's $20. Enjoy. All right. So, yeah. So, you lost all of his money in gambling. Yeah. He didn't put it on red, I guess. Yeah. He put it on black and he lost it all. He did. I will say that he made it back. He did gamble oh, it back, okay. his losses, and return that money to his family. So at least he broke even, but it did not pay out for school the way he thought it was. He did say he conquered his gambling addiction by going back and winning what he lost and stopping. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Well, good for him. Stopping is the hard part. Yeah. So he hid from his family out of shame from dropping out of school and probably didn't want to hear his dad being like, well, don't worry, you can still be a priest. <laughs> right, <laughs> Whatever. right. Um, They actually thought he drowned, but he was actually working as a draftsman in another town, and he was eventually forced back home for not having a residency permit, so he wasn't able to stay there. He audited classes in Prague and eventually went to work for Tividar Puskas, who's the guy who invented the telephone exchange. Ooh, so, uh... Operator? Yes, operator, I'd like to reach Klondike 49738, please. One moment while I connect you to Klondike 4738. 49738? Oh, no! Hello? Uh, is this Jimmy the Tooth? No, this is Benny the Fish. Benny the Fish? Yeah. You don't want to call him accidentally. No. Who is this? Operator. Operator. Give me the address for for the jackass just called me. Please hold for an address. (laughs) Does it work like that? No. (laughs) So anyway, he's working for Tividar, and he quickly becomes their chief electrician. And in 1882, Puskas got him a job with the Continental Edison Company in Paris. And he was a star employee there. He's making everybody ooh and ah and all of his brilliant mind and all his, you know, creative ideas to fix all these problems. He just He's just fixing problems left and right. Oh, our generator is doing such and such. Oh, well, that's because it's fucked up. It's not right. I'm smarter than your thing. And you go fix it. And they're all <laughs> amazed by it. And then when his manager moved to New York City to work at the Edison branch there, he wrote back and said, hey, uh, send me Tesla. I want that guy with me here in New York. So Tesla grabs his bags, hops on a boat, and sails to the U.S. of A. But in the process, his ticket, his money, and a lot of his luggage were all fucking stolen. And he managed to work it out and got on board. But then halfway through the trip, a mutiny broke out on the ship. And he was almost thrown overboard because he helped the captain subdue the mutiny. And so it was a bunch of chaos. I mean, kind of a rough start. Maybe a bad Uh, omen for how things are going to go. Do you think he was like, I don't really care about the politics of this mutiny. I'm just trying to get to New York, guys. I got a a job waiting for me. Who's taking me to New York? (laughs) Seriously. Y'all want y'all want to read by candlelight for the rest of your lives? Because that's going to happen if I don't get there. So he gets to Manhattan, and all he's got on him is four cents in his pocket. He's got a book of his own poems, and he's got a letter of commendation to Thomas Edison from his manager, saying, hire this guy. And of course, Tesla's like, Thomas Edison. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy, I sure can't wait to meet Thomas Edison. Probably a great Guy in all respects. I foresee nothing but the best relationship with me and Thomas Edison. Narrator, (laughs) it was not. He works now at Edison's Machine Works in Manhattan. And same deal. He's just 
spicks and problems left and right. It's likely that he only met Edison a few times himself, but there was one time that he stayed up all night repairing damaged generators. And in the morning, he like bumps into his manager and Thomas Edison, and Edison made some joke about this Parisian they brought in spending all night like partying. Because I guess he looked kind of rumpled from Fucking working rude. all night. Classic Edison, you know? He's like, oh, this oh, this guy you brought over. From... What does Thomas Edison sound like? Oh. He's, he's, he's probably he's probably got a real shitty voice, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. This guy you brought over from, from Paris, boy, he's just out all night partying, isn't he? <laughs> but Tesla was like, nah, man, I actually stayed up super late to fix all your shit. Edison says, well, in that case, uh, you're, you're a damn good man. Damn good man. Glad to have you aboard. Thomas, like, what were you doing last night, Edison? Probably I was fucking drinking. Fucking drinking and sleeping. <laughs> like a true CEO. Edison, by the way, Thomas Edison, this week's villain of the week. Edison sucked. So Tesla recommends to Edison that he should have a total redesign of his dynamos, which are DC generators. Yeah, I remember that Edison is all about DC direct current, and Tesla's whole thing is AC, alternating current. But Tesla has this way to redesign these DC generators, and Edison says, Oh, hey, that's that's pretty interesting, old Tesla there. Why don't you show me what you got? And if you can do it, I'll give you (laughs) $50,000. Which... Uh, let me just check real quick here. So $50,000 in 1884 is $1.4 million. Well, with that incentive, Tesla totally figured it out and yep. came up with a better design and presents it to Edison. And Edison says, oh, oh, Tesla. Hey, you know what? You just don't understand our American sense of humor. That was a total joke. Like, you didn't take that seriously, did you? Oh, that's cute. No, I'm not giving you $50,000 for this. He's like, don't I pay you a salary already? Like, you did that on company time. So, no, I'm not giving you any money. What a bitch. So Tesla's like, well, I mean, you know, again, he's fixing everything. He's probably a star employee. So he's like, well, okay, how about just a raise? A normal raise Mm -hmm. from, like, a shit wage to a good wage. (laughs) And Edison, of course... Hell no. You get what you get. You should be happy you have a job, like some of that shit. So Tesla turned on his heel and (laughs) walked the fuck out and quit that job. Yep. Which you should do too if you're not going to (laughs) raise. Now, inventricity.com does say that this was one of the biggest mistakes of Edison's life. And the same was almost true of Tesla. He might have done different things had he stayed there. He certainly would have had the financial backing to do whatever he wanted, which was going to be his main trouble. Throughout his life was going to be the money that he needed to do shit with. But money was coming in. Some fancy investors showed up. They said, hey, we'd love to pay for you to develop an improved arc lighting system. Arc lighting was what they were using to run street lamps at the time. So they said, hey, Tesla, we'll give you the cash to start the Tesla Electric Light Company. And then you can invent whatever we need to change the country. And it's going to be great. And he was like, sure, definitely. This is everything I needed. So he did. And he starts cranking out the patents and put together an improved DC generator, and he built and installed this whole lighting system in Rahway, New Jersey, and Tesla's like, hell yeah, I'm doing it. This is the shit. And he assigned all the patents into the name of the company in exchange for stock. And so, once it got up and running, the investors were like, well, 
uh, yeah, we're going to take all this work you did and we're going to start up a new utility company. We're going to ditch the manufacturing side of things. We're going to force you out. Bye. <laughs> and all Tesla is left with is nothing except a bunch of stock in a company that has bound, now been rendered worthless. He said of the time, My high education in various branches of science, mechanics, and literature seemed to me like a mockery. Which it would to me, too. I'd be like, what oh, the yeah. fuck am I doing all this shit for? And people just keep stepping all over me. Right. Right. For the next year, he was taking odd job repairs, and he was digging ditches for $2 a day. That's which insane. is, Let's... if I can consult your machine. Oh, yeah. Transfer $2 a day. $57.28 a day. So on an eight-hour day... 56 bucks is about $7 an hour, which is in 2021, you look at the federal minimum wage. Mm. It's pretty goddamn close to that. Yeah. Great how things have changed. So if you're working a minimum wage job, just know that Nikola Tesla made the same amount of money digging ditches in the 1880s God. as you're making now. And I don't know, write a letter to your senator. <laughs> <laughs> right. Fortunately, in 1887... He met a guy at Western Union and a New York attorney, and they were setting up companies. They're promoting inventions and patents for kind of a reasonable cut. They're like, you get half, we get half. And they helped him set up a laboratory. He starts patenting his inventions again. And alternating currents were the talk of the town for the next few years and even started the War of Currents propaganda campaign between the three big power companies, which were Edison, Westinghouse, and Thomas Houston. The Chicago World's Fair, which took place in 1893, had a bidding war over how the fair would be powered. And General Electric bid to electrify the fair for $554,000. But Westinghouse won because he said he could power the fair for only $399,000. So you could say that in the ACDC war, it was about who could take this dirty deed and do it dirt cheap. I suppose that you could say that Edison probably said, Ow, you shook me all night long. <laughs> just, to, just to finish up, wrap up the context on who the, the shit that Tesla went through com coming into America and uh, all, you know, all the rich, broke, successful, not, I got a job, I don't have a job. Uh, eventually, Tesla got a lump sum payment of $216,000 for his patents from Westinghouse, which is a total today of $6.9 million. Ooh-wee! So Tesla is a baller, and he's living at the Astor House in New York City, which was this super schmancy five-story residential building. And he's got famous friends and a big fancy laboratory, and everybody loves Nikola Tesla. His, one of his best friends is Mark Twain. Cool. Another is this guy, Robert Underwood Johnson, who was a writer and the editor of The Century magazine. Okay, so now that he's comfy and wealthy and getting recognized for his work, we've got some context. We know who he is and how he ticks and what he's doing. One might assume that it's time for Tesla to settle down into some romance, right? Mm hmm. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now, in 1899, a reporter asked him if he ever married. And he said, I did not. There are two views, a lot of affection or not at all. The center serves to rejuvenate human race. Women, for certain people, nurtures and strengthens its vitality and spirit. Being single does the same to other people. I chose that second path. Nothing wrong with that. No. I know some people that have said pretty much that. They're like, look... Some people are happy in relationships. 
Mm-hmm. Some people, that's not for them. I think women were pretty bummed out by this, though, because he was super popular with them because he was super handsome and he's fascinating and he's smart and he's got money, which is always helpful. And Mm -hmm. he's sort of mysterious and kind of weird. And they were like, oh, what if I were the one to break through? I bet there was a lot of that. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, He thought that marriage was great. Honestly, it just wasn't for him. He said artists, musicians and writers should all get married because they would gain inspiration that leads to finer achievement. But inventors had to have this really intense, dedicated relationship to their work. So they didn't have time for a marriage. They would they would kind of have to give up all of their inventions if they got married. And he said, it is a pity too. Sometimes we feel so lonely. But said, I don't think you can name many great inventions that have been made by married men. Oh, and you know what that sound is. It's time for everyone's favorite game show. Was this inventor married or was he not married? Uh, and Diana Brown. This is a Brown, name. <laughs> <laughs> we're working on it. It's a working title of this new game show. Diana, you're going to play today, and I have uh, six inventors here for you, and I'm going to ask you whether you th- whether you think that they were married or not married. Can I just say hi to everyone at home? <laughs> no, we don't have time for that. Oh, okay. okay. Johann Gutenberg, the inventor of the Gutenberg printing press. I think he was married. Gutenberg was never married. Never married. How else could he have possibly done the printing press? Even though the printing press had already been invented by the Chinese like a long time long before time ago. that. <laughs> all right. How about Benjamin Franklin, the man who invented the lightning rod and bifocals and all that bullshit? Okay. Well, I know he did get married. I don't know if he was married when he invented all that stuff, though. He was married to Deborah Reed, although I will say this was a common law marriage because her previous husband had run away to escape creditors to the West Indies and they never divorced. So they had to do a common law arrangement for his for her marriage to Benjamin Franklin so that they wouldn't get prosecuted for bigamy if that guy ever showed up again. Man, we need to do an episode on Benjamin Franklin, I guess. <laughs> I know, right? All right. Patricia Bath. Now, this woman was the first black woman to receive a patent for a medical purpose, and she invented laser cataract surgery. What do you think? Ooh, laser cataract surgery. Oh, uh, I'm going to say she was married. I feel like I'm saying she was married, that everyone was married. She was married. (laughs) Yay! She managed to do that with no problem. She was married and had children. And had children, and she still thought about a laser cataract. Take that, Tesla. All right. George Washington Carver, who created many products from peanuts and sweet potatoes, but not peanut butter. That is a common misconception. Oh, really? Yeah. Really revolutionized, especially agricultural farming for poor farmers. But peanut butter, not him. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say that he was not married. He never married. Oh, that is true. Okay. That is true. Now, John Harvey Kellogg, oh, the Kellogg. motherfucker from Kellogg's who okay. invented cornflakes to stop people from masturbating <laughs> That's... and who actually invented our current version of peanut butter. Oh, really? Yeah. No shit. Although peanut butter had been invented by the Aztecs like a thousand years plus earlier. Okay. So um, that's really where it came from. Interesting. Yeah. But what do you think? Kellogg. Okay. Well, he was obsessed with stopping people from masturbating. Seventh-day Adventist. Seventh-day. I'm going to say he was married. He was married, but they slept in separate bedrooms and never had biological children of their own. They adopted. Interesting. Last one. Hedy Lamar. She, she invented an improved traffic stoplight, and she invented a frequency-hopping spread spectrum that would serve as the foundation for Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. She was also a famous actress and film producer. Yeah. Do you think she had time to get married and all that? It's hard because, you know, women in certain periods of time, it's pretty hard to not get married. Right. <laughs> I'm going to say she wasn't married, though. 
She actually was married. She was. Six times. Oh, well, maybe she didn't have time for that. She was like, oh, man, forget you. This isn't working. I got inventions to worry about. Did I win? Uh, yes, you won. You got some right. Congratulations. <laughs> you win our grand prize. Uh, you get to invent something while you're married. Oh, man. <laughs> So take that, Tesla, because there were actually many inventors and inventions that came out by married men and women throughout time. He's also really limited in what he's considering, like, you know, inventions and inventors and stuff. He probably wasn't thinking at all about China's been inventing shit for thousands of years before Mm -hmm. the West was ever even around. So I'm sure they were getting married at the same time. Well, and the lady who invented the dishwasher invented it because she was married right. and fucking tired of doing dishes. Right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, at the same time, he's probably also just fucking sick of people asking him, why aren't you married? Why aren't you married? Why aren't you married? And he's just got to be Very like, true. look, I work a lot mm-hmm. and I don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. It, courtship probably was the part that was most time consuming. Yeah. That he was like, even if marriage is very comfortable and I don't have to like pay attention to her after we're hitched, I don't have time to get to the yeah. marriage part yeah. where you take them out and shit. I don't have time Well, because he'd had friends. He had women that he would hang out with and many he would hang out with, but he just talked about work the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, pretty much the only thing he knew about and it was the only thing he really felt comfortable talking about and he never stopped talking about it. Like he said that everybody leaves humanity something behind and for a lot of people that was kids and he said that was great a legacy through your children is certainly something a lot of people aspire to and that's important too but my children are my inventions he said my only wish is to convey a message through them for future centuries and actually he he had a lot of respect for women too want to say he was not not married because he just didn't like women or something or thought they were you know a waste of time He actually said he thought the suffragette movement would lead to a new sex order with a female as superior. And he thought women had not only an intellectual equality to men, but that, you know, in the future, like further generations, would expand their mental capacity and predicted that women would be better educated than men one day and that they've only been held back from their true potential over the years. He said, quote, women will ignore precedent and startle civilization with their progress. Which turns out to be true. I think, I think at least so. in this country, women uh, hold more college degrees than men yeah, on overall, average, that's and, right. uh, statistically speaking, or whatever. Yep. Um, and definitely true that they were held back from their true potential <laughs> in the past. So not not bad, not a bad prediction from yeah. Tesla. He also had this idea that women were more rational than men, which, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> idea nothing. He ha! just knew women were more rational than men. He asked this famous pianist one day in one of his like fancy circles that he would hang out, out with. He said, why don't you wear diamonds and jewelry? Yeah, and she's like, uh, first of all, I play piano, okay? <laughs> I didn't get a $7 million patent on something, all right? <laughs> I don't have a bunch of money to be spending on no furs and stuff. Right. But even if I did, I could think of better ways of spending it. That blew his mind. Why would I blow money on diamonds if I had money? Yeah. I'm going to buy a piece of property. Yeah, she wanted to live downtown because she hated the commute from the suburbs. And he's like, that's ah, that's so much smarter than these idiot men who are just like blowing their money on vanity and like jewelry for their wives and all this. Mm-hmm. And um, for himself, he said, a woman is a magnificent being of which I am not worthy. But there were some other things going on with this mindset that yeah. were a little bit more like, what? He was still a man in the 1890s. <laughs> <laughs> No, no excuse. No, but he made, this is weird to me, but he made a lot of comparisons between humans and bees. 
And he kind of was like, if women take over society, they would see men as only useful for reproduction. Otherwise, they'd be totally disposable. And he was like, if they keep taking men's jobs, eventually they're going to learn that the male and human society is useless and it would bring about the cruelest period of the world's history. Yeah, like he literally thought that women would just start slaughtering men. I guess once they, they had over. babies from them or something. Yeah, they're like, your job is done here. Like drone bees. Yeah, they're just like praying mantises, I guess. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't get it personally. <laughs> yeah. I don't see that uh, happening. <laughs> Although I guess a lot of women these days are finding men to be fairly useless. So well, sure. Maybe he was right about that. He's not entirely wrong. It's just that I don't know why his conclusion was, and therefore that'll just be homicide. Right. Well, this is where I think you get a little bit limited because you're thinking about how men in history have treated women in history. So you're like, if the positions were reversed, they would certainly do the same to us that we did to them, yeah. which is not necessarily true. I, I don't know. I just don't see that being an absolute truth. Yeah, and in this book, Tesla, the Master of Lightning, the author Margaret Cheney says, with an attitude like this, it's no surprise that Tesla never married. <laughs> I mean, probably women were like, uh, he starts talking like that, and they're like, okay, um, I'm just going to go to the bathroom and then climb out the window. Okay. <laughs> he had this um, He had this secretary. He had, he had all young, conventionally attractive female secretaries. Uh, like that worked most for people him. did. Yeah, but he like also fired a girl for being overweight. Eey. And he wasn't really happy if they didn't dress properly. He was kind of strict about appearance. Hmm. He also thought that there was this ideal form of women. That was going around at the time. Yeah. That was when Gibson Girl was really big, I think, was in the oh, turn of the century. Yeah. When it was like, this is how women are supposed to wear their hair, what kind of clothes, how they should act. Like mm -hmm. There was like this ideal. There's also the Gibson man. So it wasn't just for women. There was this idealized version of what you're right. supposed to be based on your gender or whatever. So And sort of in the later in the 20s, he had this instance where this secretary came in and she had a, a new low waist dress, right? It was kind of flapper style. Like She had sewn it herself. She was a really talented seamstress and it was like this real cylindrical long top and a, and a low waist and a short skirt at the bottom. And she walks into work, ready to go. She's good at her job. And he freezes and he's like, whoa, what are you wearing? Uh, he, he wants her to go see a banker that day. And he says, quote, how can you be a slave to fashion? Whatever the fashion designers say is the style you buy and you wear. You're a smart girl. You have good taste. Why did you let the sales lady force a dress like this on you? If you were skilled, like my sister, who sews her own clothing, you wouldn't be wearing that sack. Take a car so not many people will see you. Go to your home and get dressed sensibly and return as soon as possible so you can take this letter to the bank. And she must, in her head, just be like, I did sew this fucking dress, asshole. Okay, <laughs> boomer. <laughs> totally. <laughs> She's like, also your middle part is so in right now. <laughs> I mean, you know, he had all these young women on his staff, and if they talked about getting married, he would tell them, like, don't get married young. Because if you get married young, all men are marrying you for is your beauty. Hmm. Which is a little rude, too. Yeah, I mean, it's not it the worst advice, but it's a little, else. yeah. It's yeah, they have to like, offer. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to take a break. We're going to get back into the women who did kind of get into Tesla's heart right after this right here right now find your beautiful new floor at right rug flooring choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee 
Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to the show, and I hope that whatever the fashion designers told you, you should buy and wear. (laughs) Uh, let's see. So where are we? Oh, yeah. Uh, he's talking shit to his secretary about her dress that she made. <laughs> so anyway, Tesla's views on women, a bit complicated. Yeah. But like we said, the ladies lined up for this guy. He's, again, just very hot. Breaking hearts. Breaking hearts right and left. It wasn't that he was like, you know, a movie star attractive. It was just like very unique looking. He was very tall mm-hmm. and slender, real accentuated features. I mean, he was just an intense guy in all respects. Mm-hmm. He's intense looking. He was intense when he talked. Everything about him was just like, whoa, I'm so... The focus was just on him. He could it's not kind be. of a magnetic person. Yeah. Maybe more yeah. Than, than super hot. You could say he was like had, uh, an electric person. Oh, there was a woman named Katherine Johnson who by some accounts was the only woman that Tesla ever loved. Uh, She was the wife of his good friend, Robert Underwood Johnson. They exchanged some flirtatious letters. I guess that's kind of the only proof, really, that they were into each other. Yeah, they had a lot. There's a lot of correspondence between the two of them. 
they were very close Mm -hmm. and she spoke very favorably of him and was in his hardest times there was always a letter from her to him she wrote to him from italy i wish i could have news of you my ever dear and ever silent friend be it good or bad but if you will not send me a line then send me a thought it will be received by a finely tuned instrument i don't know why i'm so sad i feel as if everything in life had slipped from me Perhaps I'm too much alone and only need companionship. I think I would be happier if I knew something about you. You, who are unconscious of everything but your work, and who have no human needs. This is not what I want to say, so I am faithfully yours, KJ. P.S. Do you remember the gold dollar that passed between you and Robert? I am wearing it this summer as a talisman for all of us. She later wrote, I stayed at home last Saturday and Sunday waiting for you to come. I am tired of waiting for your reply. How strange it is that we cannot do without you. So, yeah, it just sounds like, you know, he didn't write back to her a lot. He didn't give her anything. She was giving him a bunch and not getting much back. Yeah. In fact, um, some of these letters were never opened. This was very recently. I mean, within the last few years that they went into the Tesla estate and found a lot of letters. Mm -hmm. Many of them still sealed. There are some that are still sealed right now because... No one, they don't have a, a dedicated team working on this from last I read. So there are just dozens of letters that he just was working too hard. He just didn't have the time to read them or respond. So he just kind of left them. Mm-hmm. It's like he said, courtship, too much work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this guy worked from from nothing. He just constantly worked. I mean, all hours of the day. He he at one point said he would get two hours of sleep a night and he would take little naps during the day sometimes to recharge his battery. But mostly this guy didn't this guy was work all day and i mean all day 20 plus hours um another woman who tried i guess (laughs) tried her best to get with tesla uh one day he's sitting in this paris cafe and the famous actress sarah bernhardt walked by and she dropped her handkerchief pretty sly that was the move right that was the move yeah Yeah. you threw your handkerchief and he knew it he stood up he took off his hat he bent down to pick up the handkerchief, and he hands it back to her. He says, Mademoiselle, your handkerchief. Oh, my. Thank you so much. I, I suppose that I... So, anyway, as I was saying about wireless power transmission... Uh, hello? <laughs> he totally just sits back down like the conversation never... Like it never happened. Ouch. Yeah. That's a blow to the ego for poor Sarah. I mean, he's like, yeah, I'll be polite. I'll hand it, of course. But he knew what she was doing and was like, I don't got time for that part. But years later, he did say, I destroyed my sexuality at 33 because a certain French actress kept coming to me, making it impossible for me to concentrate. So I guess she kept coming back for more. Yeah, and then she a, like throw her handkerchief at him all, like every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe because a poet friend of his in the 1920s uh, later on reminisced about Tesla, and he did say that Sarah Bernhardt had given him a handkerchief, and it was so important to him that he never washed it, and he just kept it with him at all times. Yeah, he should wash that. So, well, <laughs> but but I, I think the point being that there was something there. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. they had some sort of connection. She got to him in some way. And she and Katherine Johnson, in addition to this other woman named Flora Dodge, who is the heiress to the Dodge fortune, they say that those are the three women who really were closest to him. I couldn't find any information about Flora Dodge other than that statement. But it seemed like those were the three who were really pushing for him. I really... I mean, you're right. I just imagine these passionate schemes trying to get him to look up from his journal and pay attention to them. 
They're like, I could dance naked in a scarf on the table in front of you and you would never notice. Hello. <laughs> I am Sarah Bernhardt. <laughs> but in 1895, at 2.30 in the morning on March 13th, a fire broke out in his laboratory. Everything was destroyed. Oh. I mean, the entire first half of his life's work. Nothing was insured. All this expensive equipment melted. These floors collapsed and everything just fell in. Just everything ruined and lost. That's such a bummer. Yeah. Speculation station. Oh, yeah? Kind of wonder if his dad, the priest, was ever like, maybe God wants you to get married because all your work keeps getting totally fucked up (laughs) by like weird You should have been a priest. You should have been a priest. You know, my monastery never burned down. (laughs) No one ever tried to mutiny my ship. Yeah, right. Well, possibly. But yeah, he he just kind of disappeared for a few days. He was very emotional uh, throughout his life. I mean, he he responded pretty intensely to situations, too, of course. And and this was an intense situation to respond to. Yeah, if half of my life's work was gone in one fell swoop, I think I would probably have to go somewhere for a minute, too. Absolutely. His friends were all desperate to find him. Catherine Johnson wrote that he should please come stay with them so they could comfort him. You know, he was always welcome there. But the New York Sun wrote, quote, It is a misfortune to the whole world. The men living in this time who are more important to the human race than this young gentleman can be counted on the fingers of one hand, perhaps on the thumb of one hand. Wow. Well, but Tesla, as we've noted, he's no stranger to being kicked while he's down. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So he rebuilt. So, yeah, he was like Dr. Dre was up late in the lab with a pen and a pad. (laughs) (laughs) There's buzzing and zaps with x-rays and all kinds of complicated turn-of-the-century science going on that kept him from spending any time with the ladies. Yeah, he really, uh, I mean, just, again, I'm skipping through decades of actual scientific progress here. Right. But uh, if just go read even the Wikipedia page on Tesla, you'll get confused. I, I sure did in learning about, you know, what he was doing during these times. A lot of circuits and mm, lightning. Yeah. It's just some really cool stuff. But we're going to kind of skim through it right now. But speaking of not spending time with the ladies, it's also suggested that it's not really just his work. Probably a combination of that and the fact that he was also a huge germaphobe. And this is something that got worse and worse throughout his life. He had a really difficult time being physically close to people and like physical contact was a big no-no. He turned down doctor's appointments regularly because he didn't want people touching him. He mm-hmm. had he later in life he's he got to a point where he was having all of his food boiled tasty um to kill any bacteria that was on it. Ew. Yeah. He also had a lot of behavior linked to obsessive compulsive disorder. He was obsessed with the number 3 and it's something that we will see come up again. He would shake hands with people and then wash his hands immediately in sets of 3. He had to have 18 napkins on his dinner table divisible by 3. And before he would enter a building, he had to walk around the building 3 times. Which in New York City is like you have to know, walk around right? a block. Oh my goodness. I mean, I guess back then it wasn't quite so crowded, but still. It's like, I gotta show up for every appointment 20 minutes early. At least. Those are big buildings. Yeah, man. He was also terrified of the sight of pearls. <gasps> and he couldn't be near women who were wearing pearls. Which would have definitely limited his selection of ladies. Because yeah. pearls were incredibly popular. And mostly Debs wore pearls, I feel like. Yeah, it probably did make it real hard to meet a woman if he was like, ah, I can't deal with your jewelry. I wonder if that's um, 
is it trypophobia when mm-hmm. people are afraid of holes and circular patterns oh um i wonder if it was some version of that maybe um yeah. it was also i read one place that he was also afraid of billiard balls but he also played a lot of billiards, so I don't know if that lines up just right. Mm. So with all this, of course, his sexuality was questioned, even at the time. There a little were, bit. There were some light questions. Yeah. There were a few quiet rumors at the time that he was maybe homosexual, but nothing really seemed to take root. Um, today, it's generally agreed upon that he was asexual and aromantic. Right. Which is only, I think, uh, my limited understanding has only recently really been discussed in, in earnest. I, I think, think back then true. it wasn't really, it was, the, of course you get married, that's what you do. And not everyone does, but that just means they never found the right girl or something, you know, like, whereas now I feel like we're more comfortable saying, no, you don't, some people don't do well with a partner. Some people don't want that. Yeah. I think that's the A in LGBTQIA. Yeah. I think the A is asexual, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And you can be a romantic asexual, right. which is right. a person who is totally fine with signs of affection, like kissing, mm-hmm. hugging, cuddling, but like sex is just not, right. not really a thing. Right. But men did find his appearance striking, though, it, again, it must be said that at the time, male platonic relationships were more affectionate than we think of them today. They were a little more comfortable complimenting each other or, or things like that. Having a real bromance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This Which, church, oh. come on, guys, get it together. Tell each other you're handsome. I just don't have any handsome friends. I'm just kidding. All my friends are beautiful. <laughs> I was about to say, you have a lot of handsome friends. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, journalist wrote about him being tall with straight intensely black hair and his eyes were blue and deeply set like burning balls of fire he said those weird flashes of light he makes with his instruments seemed to almost shoot from his eyes when he talks you listen you do not know what he's saying but he enthralls you I mean, that is definitely a person who would be attractive to a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I ne- I mean, I'm attracted to you and I never know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but not because it's super smart. No, it's just because it's, like, it's rambling. Usually because it's a Brooklyn Nine-Nine quote. <laughs> it's because you're not part of the conversation going on in my head, okay, yeah. at all times. Well, no one was part of the conversation going on in Tesla's head either. <laughs> That's very true. Me and Tesla, birds of a feather. <laughs> <laughs> So science advanced after the turn of the century going into the 1900s, and Tesla very strongly resisted it. Um, this, <laughs> this young punk Albert Einstein was coming up and talking all about his theory of relativity. Mm-hmm. And Tesla said, bullshit, that flies in the face of Newtonian physics, which is my jam. He was very opposed to new science. He thought particle physics was garbage and people were looking at the wrong things he says when you get down into working with particles you're basically like totally ignoring all the shit that newton came up with and that we're using in physics and um, this is classic tunnel vision yeah you know as somebody who really cannot let go of what they're into yeah he had such a hard time ever finishing what he was working on that he saw Mm -hmm. the world around him changing and making his shit obsolete that he never really got to complete. I mean, this happened a lot, even in smaller instances. His arc light system, one of the reasons it never took off was because two possibilities. One is that they just developed the DC generators to a point where they didn't need to change it anymore. Or possibly, uh, Thomas Edison put a stop to it and like just bought all the contracts up so that they couldn't use the AC system. Speaking of Edison. Yeah. In 1912, Tesla refused to share the Nobel Prize in physics with with Thomas Edison. 
even though it would have gotten him $20,000, which he kind of needed pretty badly. Yeah. Um, but he was just like, fuck that guy. I'm not accepting a prize with him. We are not equals in this field or in anything else. Right. I mean, Tesla was mad at the Nobel Committee, first of all, for treating him and Edison as equals, which Tesla thought Edison's crap was crap. <laughs> he thought it was no good. He thought this was archaic and dumb and we should be converting to AC and all these things. Right. But also he was pissed off because the Nobel Committee gave a prize to Marconi for inventing the radio. I'm doing air quotes. But Tesla said Marconi used 17 of my patents to develop his radio, and I should be getting credit for helping with the invention of the radio. But the courts ruled in Marconi's favor at the time. It was later overturned, but not until after Tesla's death. Damn. Yeah. So really, this podcast would not be without Tesla. Yeah. Quite, quite honestly, could make a radio there, we wouldn't have iHeartRadio without so Tesla. We wouldn't have anything radio. We wouldn't have B98.5 FM. <laughs> or whatever soft your... Soft jams. <laughs> or whatever your local soft jams yeah, station sorry, that's is. Yeah, sorry, that's an Atlanta station. <laughs> <laughs> but in 1917, he did begrudgingly accept the solid gold Edison medal from the American Institute of Electrical Engineers. Ooh. He was like, fine. I'll take your solid gold medal. Uh And then he turned around and pawned it to buy (laughs) birdseed. What a diss. What a fitting end for the Edison medal. Imagine the pawn shop. I know. know, like He walks in. "Uh, Good day, sir. I need need some birdseed. You got any? Uh, No, sir. This is a pawn shop. (laughs) I just need... Some fucking bird seeds. So, uh, uh, what? what do you, I guess I can give you something for cash, right? That's the whole idea. Okay. Uh, well, what do you give me for this solid gold Edison medal? Uh, well, it is solid gold, so it's probably worth a lot. On the other hand, it's a medal that you won and no one else won. So I guess, uh, how about $45? <laughs> That'll buy me plenty of bird seed. I'll take it. <laughs> I know. I have no idea. I totally made that up. Don't know how much money he got for that. <laughs> Why did he buy birdseed? He loved birds. He loved birds. He would walk to the park every day to feed the pigeons. His favorite spot, especially, was in Bryant Park, which is that, if you've ever been, is this beautiful park right behind the public library on Fifth Avenue. You know, the Ghostbusters library, mm-hmm. the one where they busted the ghost. Uh, Love that library. It's God, so it's cool. Beautiful. When we went to New York last and we had to work while we were there, because that's how we travel. We travel with our laptops and we work. Diana had a lot of work to do, and she... And I and I dumped her off at the library and said, have fun. I'm going to go be a tourist. I did have fun. It's such a pretty library. It really is such a lovely place to sit and work. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after this. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. 
Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Welcome back. Tesla loved birds. That's the point. He would even nurse injured pigeons back to health. He would bring some of them back to his hotel where he stayed. Also, he lived in hotels. This was, we were talking about, this is kind of classic of the time, bachelors especially. If you had money, you just stayed in a nice hotel in New York. Yeah, they shined your shoes, they washed your clothes, they brought you breakfast. I mean, it was pretty much the best case scenario for a bachelor pad, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wish I could live full-time in a luxury New York City hotel. (laughs) I know, right? That sounds pretty sweet. Uh Uh-huh. So what's weird is that this paradoxically coincided his love of pigeons with his rise of germophobia. And his friends were kind of concerned about this. They were like, he's super afraid of germs, but the more afraid of germs he is, the more he's falling for these pigeons. Mm -hmm. They're like his new best friends. And he spent a lot of time feeding pigeons. It was said you could go down into a New York City park and you would see Nikola Tesla dressed very nicely, usually with another important figure of the time. Because mm-hmm. if you wanted to hang out with Tesla, you had to go feed pigeons with him. I was going to say, you can kind of see why maybe he liked birds a lot, because they were very simple to understand and they didn't really demand much from him, unlike people. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, he started to even feed the pigeons from his hotel window. Pretty messy. Oh, yeah. Definitely were shitting everywhere. Oh, there were complaints <laughs> from the from other hotel guests. I mean, everyone was like, there's bird shit everywhere. Yeah. Not the architectural feature they were looking for, right. I'm sure. Uh, he, he actually asked the hotel chef to prepare a special blend of seed for these pigeons, yeah. to feed these pigeons. I want nothing but the best for my pigeon friends. <laughs> and there was one pigeon in particular who was always able to find him no matter where he was. 
This pigeon was pure white with just some light gray on the tips of her wings. There were a few that really caught his attention because mm-hmm. he, he, he would come to know them individually. Sure. I mean, he said that he fed thousands of pigeons over the years, but there were a few that really stood out to him that he really connected to. Mm-hmm. He would recognize day after day. But yeah, this one, this one white pigeon mattered a lot. He spent over $2,000 to care for her. At one point, she broke her wing and leg. And he built a device to support her while she healed. So he's a real friend to the birds. <laughs> yeah. And he said, I had only to wish and call her and she would come flying to me. So in 1922, one night as he was working, this beautiful white pigeon flew into his room and landed on his desk. He was telling this story later to a friend of his. He said, I knew that she wanted me. I knew that she wanted to tell me something important. And as I looked at her, I knew what she wanted to say to me. She was dying. And as I got her message, there came a light from her eyes. Powerful beams of light. He said, yes, real light, powerful, dazzling, blinding light. A light more intense than I had ever produced by the most powerful lamps in my laboratory. And when she died, something went out in my life. Up to that time, I knew with a certainty that I would complete my work no matter how ambitious. But when that something went out of my life, I knew my life's work was finished. Wow. Yeah, it it was this, you know, pretty intense omen. Tesla had said for the longest time that he was going to live to be 100 and he was going to complete his life's work, which we can gather was pretty much like powering the world, providing electricity. He saw this future with the small power plants that could run entire countries uh, built underwater. He had flying machines he designed. He had this really bright idea for this really um, utopic future. Didn't um, he think electricity should be free? He thought electricity should be free to everyone and that, and that there should be no problem providing it for free. Mm-hmm. And he said he would live to 100 and he would have no problem achieving that. As his life went on, of course, we've seen him struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle. Uh, you know, that wasn't something that he was ever able to achieve. And at this point, he's really starting to see that idea slip away. Mm, that's sad. And this pigeon was just this omen for him. One of his friends called it a beautiful and pathetic display of love. Mm. You know, they were like, wow, he's he really loves this pigeon. But I wish I want more for him. But it also was what he wanted. It was more than he ever seemed to get from a human companion. Mm-hmm. In that respect. It's like all the handkerchiefs from all the French actresses in the world can't compare. <laughs> I read this analysis that um, they were like, what is love if not, you know, a very passionate, intense, focused feeling in one direction? But he was like, but, you know, can we can we say that wasn't love? Because that's what it was to him. Well, after the death of his love, pige- his pigeon. <laughs> his pigeon love. His pigeon love. <laughs> He was evicted from the hotel, partly for debts and partly because of the mess that the pigeons had left that he was constantly feeding. Yep. But he moved to the luxurious Hotel Marguerite and started running up a tab there. Yeah, he was in and out of hotels because a lot of them said, no, you can't open the windows and feed the pigeons. Mm -hmm. And he would move to another one. So he went through several hotels in this period, just leaving a mess of pigeon shit behind him everywhere he went. (laughs) He also, in lawsuits for years, so yeah. probably in and out of courts as well, he's trying to gain credit and money for some of his inventions. Yep. 
like the radio stuff and mm-hmm. so on. Mm-hmm. He's fighting with Edison still, too. I mean, sure. we're skimming past that, but there's a bunch of Edison shit going on here. Yeah. But still a very well-respected yeah. uh, scientist and thinker and inventor. He was given honorary doctorates from multiple universities. Yeah. So people are still like, this guy is smart. We, we like him, you know. And then in 1934, he claims to have developed a teleforce weapon, which the press referred to as a... He said it could shoot down aircraft from 250 miles away, but he never really provided a lot of proof to that, (laughs) to that claim. Yeah. Uh, He kind of thought it would be like such a powerful weapon that it would keep nations from war from now on. Like he, you know, kind of like what we thought the atomic bomb would do, I guess. And they, and Nobel said that when he invented dynamite too. Yeah. Said this is so powerful. Just there won't be any war anymore because nobody will want to risk fighting anyone else. Yeah. So if anyone has any bright ideas about weapons out there that's going to end all war, just stop. (laughs) Just it doesn't work like that. Don't do it. (laughs) Remember the Butter Battle book? Yeah, right? The Butter Battle book. That's exactly what he was talking about. So nobody wanted to fund it, so it wasn't like he wasn't getting a government contract for it or anything like that. But in 1937, he claimed that he had built a working prototype and that he would unveil it in just a few months, any day now. And so one day, while he was feeding his beloved pigeons, these two men in suits approached him. They said, hey, are you Nikola Tesla? Who's asking? Hey, we want to see this death ray. You got a, uh, you got like a black box in your hotel room, like a safe up there with some papers in it. We want to see them. You want to see my papers? I want to see your papers. Show me some papers that say you work for the government. Uh, you can't. Get the fuck out. Yep. So he didn't show them, and, uh, and these creepy suits guys walked away. But uh, he had become very frail. And in that same year, as he said, you know, I'm going to show ev- I'm going to show the world my prototype for the for the death ray. <laughs> um, he was walking through New York between his locations where he would just feed his pigeons. And he was struck by a taxi cab. And it banged him up pretty good. He broke three ribs. Uh, we don't really know the extent of his injuries because, as we said, he refused doctor's appointments. He didn't want anyone close to him or touching him or anything like that. So he kind of just had to heal on his own. And he's like an old man and he's not healing very well. And uh, he never really got back to his former self after that. And no one ever saw the death ray. Uh, in 1938, he's feeding pigeons with his friend Robert Johnson. He's super frail, barely recognizable, real thin you know, battered up from his car accident and everything. Mm -hmm. And he told Robert that he was kind of staying in bed for days at a time. So he said, will you please take care of my pigeons if anything happens to me? God, he loved these pigeons. Yeah, he's like really thinking about their future. Yeah. And even in a few, in coming years, he would even pay a Western Union messenger to go scatter seeds for the birds. And he would call the company over and over again being like, did you do it? Did you do it? Prove to me you did it. Uh, Hello, Western Union. Nikola Tesla here. Did you feed my pigeons? Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, yes, Mr. Tesla. We're going to send someone out right away to feed your pigeons. Uh, okay. Well, when are you going to do that? Because uh, I'll call you right back. We've just got a few packages to deliver because we're a very busy courier service uh, with a lot of clients who need important human objects delivered between them. Well, I'm an important human, and I'm telling you to courier some damn seeds to my pigeons. Uh, yes, sir. We will be sure to feed your birds uh, out in the public spaces. Prove it to me. How are you going to prove Prove it to me? Oh, we'll, draw, we'll draw a very nice picture of what's happening. We'll bring it back and show it to you. How's that sound? 
He really wishes he could have gotten a little picture from Amazon of his package right. on the doorstep. Yes. <laughs> Your pigeons have been fed. <laughs> oh, thank God. In 1943, on January 6th, he called for a messenger to come to his room and deliver an envelope with a $100 bill in it to his friend Mark Twain. But the weird thing about this request is that Mark Twain had died in 1910, three decades before. So the guy's like, well, hey, you know, Mark Twain's dead, right? Like, I don't know where to take this envelope with all this money in it. And Tesla argued with him, and he insisted that Twain had visited him in his room the night before. Wow. And then that same night at the stroke of midnight, January 7th, 1943, it's a cold January New York City night. There's a light snow falling. There's street lamps glowing in the dark. And three pigeons flew away from his bedroom right off the third floor. The light in his room flickered and then went out. The next morning, his body was discovered by the maid. She screamed and ran out of the room. And within 15 minutes, the FBI was in there. They had taped off the whole room. They'd removed his body and all of his work. They even brought a locksmith in to open the safe and get all of his papers out of it. The only reason we even know that is because his nephew showed up and was looking around and saw these, you know, all these feds there. And he sees the locksmith walking away. And they're like, you know, he's like, what are you guys doing? You can't just take his body. And they're like, you know, uh, federal government, sir. Uh, no, no questions, <laughs> you know. Man, they were clearly watching him that whole time. Oh, they must from have the, been. From 1934 to 1943, they must have been keeping an I eye think on him. The moment he said death ray, they right. probably never stopped watching. He was on the no-fly list. Yeah, right. <laughs> And yeah, they they went and snatched up all his shit, you know, never to be seen again. They did give his body back, and there was a funeral on January 12th. More than 2,000 people poured into the Cathedral of St. John the Divine. Mayor LaGuardia is there. Franklin Delano Roosevelt and Eleanor Roosevelt send a message with their condolences. Pretty sweet. Not bad. Heads of state from Yugoslavia, Croatia, Russia, and France are all in attendance. Uh, A real... United Nations of mourners, I guess. Yeah, everybody came together. Yeah, King Peter II of Yugoslavia sent a huge floral arrangement, in fact. Right. And the Yugoslavian government made his funeral a state function. But his casket was draped with an American flag. So mm-hmm. I think that kind of shows you, like, what an international guy he we're really talking was, about. Yeah. Like, and as his eulogy concluded, three pigeons flew in, circled the casket, never landed, and flew back off into the sky. So three pigeons fly away from his hotel window at the moment of his death. Yeah. Then three pigeons are there during his funeral. Three, yeah. his favorite number. His favorite number. Which is so crazy. I mean, that's crazy. Like, that feels like some weird glitch in the Matrix <laughs> type shit. That is cool, too, that he was born in a lightning storm. Right. And then when he died, the light went out. Right. Like, that's so crazy. Yeah. And, like, just these weird little things about it that kind of make you be like, Maybe he was on a different plane than everybody else. There's <laughs> a lot of some of the research out there definitely says like you can't talk about Tesla without incorporating some form of mysticism right. into it. Um because that definitely played he he was the bridge of of science and and the uh the mystical, I think, to mm. some degree. I mean he was talking about wireless power before anyone was. Uh, you know, that there's just this untapped energy that we can all, you know, tap into. Maybe it, that's part of it, too, is if you, if you had a vision of the world at a young age, mm-hmm. kind of u- utopia style, like you were saying. Yeah. 
and you were just trying to figure out how to get to that vision, right? maybe you would work overtime because you'd be like, I don't know if this is it, but I, I need to know if it is it. Yeah. Or if it's not this, I got to try something else because there's that vision I'm working toward. I just don't know how to get to it. It's like so, an Oz kind of thing. Yeah. It's so tough with our, you know, being aware of our, our own mortality. Mm-hmm. If we have a passion like that, it can feel very overwhelming to say, I've only got a limited amount of time to complete this. And it's a lot of work, right. you know, and that's when you have to get into, well, maybe you have to think beyond your life and think about what you're setting up for somebody else to carry on for you. And I think that's true of Tesla. I mean, we're we're living in a world today that was greatly affected by what he did. Very so um, don't tell him that because he might be like, oh, shit, I did this. Oh, no, it's <laughs> not so good. Um, but hopefully it's getting better. <laughs> he definitely have something to say with the blackouts and California and Texas and stuff. He'd be like, you know, you could you could do better than this. Yes. Right. You know, all this energy could be free. Right. Uh, no, then we wouldn't make any money. Yeah. That we well, could stay in our luxury hotels. <laughs> so, so Nikola Tesla probably did love a pigeon, probably did not have sex with a pigeon. Oh, no, I didn't think that was ever in question. <laughs> well, I think some people would question it. <laughs> well, I'm glad we can. I think if when we put up Nikola Tesla and a pigeon, I think some people are going to go, what? He had sex? How do you have did sex fuck with a pigeon? pigeon? No. Um... Talk about a pecker. <laughs> oh. Sorry, that wasn't a very good joke. Who but... do you think you are? <laughs> Says the pigeon. The bird is the word. <laughs> I love this bird voice. It I know. It always makes me laugh. When we're walking in New York City, I'm always talking to the pigeons. <laughs> Who do you think you're looking at? All right. Well, you cool cats can email us. Yeah, use use Nicola's inventions and email <laughs> us and tell us what you think about this episode. Yeah. It's romance at iheartmedia.com. Of course, you can always find us on the socials. I am at, oh, great, it's Eli on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Dianamite Boom on Twitter and Instagram. We're both at Redick Romance on those platforms as well. Yep. So please, yeah, contact Reach us. Say hey. We love hearing from you. It's so fun. We sure do. And I hope you all liked this episode about Nikola Tesla and his whole girlfriend, the pigeon. The light of his life. We'll see you uh, next time right here on Ridiculous Romance. So long, friends, it's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. Give your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, 
Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.